welcome to Food for Pod. Uh, my name is Dylan Scott. I'll be taking over this episode. Liz Greenwood, are you hungry? I am hungry. What do you see in front of you? I see four little pies, individual pot pies, four. and also some sodas. Four. Do you have any idea what this could be? You left a business card on the sofa. Oh, don't so look I... at that! Don't look at that! <laughs> That's not for you. You left me a clue. What? What do you? Uh, what do you think this could be? I well, I know that I can tell that they're savory pies. They are. And. Um, there's a few different places in Chicago that, um, sell savory pies, and it's hard to tell from anything other than the business card. That's good. Where they would be, and I don't know what's inside them. There's no, like, obvious signifiers. So, this is the fun thing. You can, one by one, lift up the pie and move it, because underneath it, it says, on the bag, it'll say what it has. So, one by one, take it, take off, and I want to get your reaction to what kind of pies they are. Oh, that's fun. I hope one is spinach. Let's see. So, the first one. Steak and Guinness. Steak and Guinness pie. Yum. Next one. Ooh, chicken tikka masala. Number two. Number three. Number three is classic mince. I don't think I've ever had a mince pie before. You're about to. Okay. And then the last one is Thanksgiving pie. So what we are having today, these are Aussie pies. Wow. And they're from Brang... Garoos. Bangaroos? Bangaroos. Like kangaroo. Uh, yes, but we'll get into why that's the name in a little bit. But first, would you like to try these pies? I would oh, love also, to try them. look at what the sodas are, because those are specific, too. There's a Bundaberg. Oh, they're Australian family-owned sodas. They are. They're all... We have two different Australian sodas. What flavor is that one? This one's lemon, lime, and bitters, which sounds good. And the other one is guava. Yes. And they are craft brewed, and it says invert bottle before opening. Yes. So you got to turn it upside down. So we're going to take our taste buds down under in this episode. That's why we have to turn the bottle upside down. Yes. So that it thinks it's in Australia. And we're going to eat these, and we'll be right back. So Liz... What did you think? <laughs> it's so fun to go first. Yeah, um, I know, right? Well, I, I first of all, had the prediction that we have different favorites. Yes. But I liked all of them. And I felt like the crust was a real standout for me. I felt like it was nice and flaky, but it held up to the inside, which was, for most of them, pretty saucy. So this was... The difference between what you normally do and what I did, they have an option at Barangaroos to, they have two options. They have, you can get them to warm it up for you, or you can buy it frozen. And I bought it frozen earlier today and brought it back and kept it in the freezer for a few hours. Yeah. And, and then it had me, but in the instructions it said, uh, give an egg, uh, put it, or, uh, Make a. Egg. Oh, they had you do an egg wash. They had me do an egg wash on it. Nice. So, and I think it. I think good because it looked. It's very crispy and. It's crispy. It's glossy, and you did a nice job with the egg wash. Every so often, when I do an egg wash, I. If you if you put too much on, you get a little scrambled egg on your feet, yeah. which is fine, but not the point. And you don't have any scrambled egg on these. Well, so. I I think that's also how you mix up the egg too. Uh huh. But uh, as far as like the flavors, do you think I got a good like? 
what what do you think about the flavors that we got? I thought they were a good selection. Um, did they have a vegetarian one? Uh, they did. What was the vegetarian one? It was like a imitation. Uh, it was an imitation uh, shepherd's pie. Gotcha. So they are just like all in on meat pies, basically. So. This is a meat pie. It is a meat centric. <laughs> it's a meat. An Aussie pie is, is a meat traditionally pie. a meat pie. Got it. Um, and we'll get into like the history of it in a I second. I mean, we've already debated what a pie is quite a bit. Um, and, these and are like, definitely unquestionably pies. Yes. And they are very, very meaty. I think the the steak in Guinness was really good. It was there was a lot of sauce inside and some vegetables. You could real. I was really curious because you could really taste the Guinness. Yeah. Out. I, I really liked the chicken tikka masala. Um, it was exactly what I would expect of sort of a Britishy version of this. Um, and then the one that surprised me that I really liked was the classic mince. Mm -hmm. Because I thought there were some really interesting flavors in like the meat and the sauce that I wasn't expecting. I am curious if you got a definition of what classic mince is. So classic mince is... Very see that now now the tables really are turned because you're asking me questions <laughs> I don't know the answers. How to. the turntables? Right. So I think that um, classic mints is uh, the just it's like what we were talking about a few episodes ago. Uh, it's a meat sandwich. With, it's, it's loose. It's loose, loose meat. meat. It's like ground beef. It's, it's like ground beef. Yeah. It's clearly like some kind of ground beef in like a, a, was a red or a brown sauce. There was a minced lamb, but they were out of it. Mm. I was going so to So this get, is minced beef. This is minced beef. I would be interested to try the lamb. Yes. I feel like the, the flavor palette would be similar, but it would be more lamby. Yeah. I like, but I know I, I really liked it. I liked the sauce. I, for some reason, there's also a mince pie that's like nuts and raisins, right? Or like... A sweet mince pie. Yeah, so they so so we're talking about uh, the this is an Australian focused one, mm -hmm. and when it went over to from England to Australia, it became more of a savory dish because they have mince meat pies that have like jellies and stuff in the English version. Right. Of it. Yeah. I think I was I was trying to be like all of a smart aleck when you cut into the classic mints. I was like, yeah. it's gonna be something sweet. And yeah. it was it, no. definitely not. It was definitely a savory meat pie. Yeah. But it was surprisingly I think I that was one of my favorites. The Thanksgiving pie was good. It was not a surprise. I think it, it was tasted like Thanksgiving. Classic Thanksgiving flavors. Now, now in the description it said it had cranberry. Did you taste any cranberry in that? I did not notice cranberry. Right. But it definitely had like the Stuffing, this, is, this is Thanksgiving flavor. Green palette. beans, turkey. Um Yeah, I'm glad we have leftovers because I am excited no, this to look, continue eating these. This is good. So let me tell you what what were your favorites before we go there? My favorite, I think well, my two favorites were the chicken tikka masala and the classic mints. I kind of figured that those would be your favorites. What do you think my favorites were? I think your favorite one is the Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. And I actually kind of thought your other favorite might be the steak in Guinness. Yes. Uh, you're, you're, you're absolutely <laughs> so we're, we're completely disagree on these pies, which makes doling up the leftovers even easier. I don't think one of them was bad. That's the thing. I think that they were... But we definitely have preferred flavor palettes. Oh, for sure. I think... Um, I'm also just, like, really happy you got these because I 
have walked or driven by Barangaroos yes. so many times, and I've never eaten there. And it's always been, like, sort of in the back of my mind of, like, I need to eat there someday. But it's the kind of weather where you want this is also the kind of weather where you don't want to leave your home at all. Exactly. It's very, like, when you want a shepherd's pie mm-hmm. kind of thing. Like, I, this is kind of close. So, the, so Barangaroos, there are three locations. Mm-hmm. And I got this one from the one in Lakeview, which is close to where I live. Mm-hmm. And so... Where are the other locations? I think one's in the South Loop and one's in the West Loop, I believe. Does it say on there? Nope. Nope. Just baking instructions. Yeah. So... So there's one in this. I'll, I'll when we do the t- end of it, I'll give all the information about where you can get barangaroos. Great, or you can just Google the word barangaroo. Yes. It's spelled just it will, like it sounds. Or if you if you <laughs> if you Google search Aussie pies, Chicago, it's the only place. And that makes sense. The article where I got most of the information made a really big deal because uh, it was 2019 around the time that it opened up. It made a really big deal about. That this is some this is the first time there's ever been something like this, and I guess they've expanded twice since then. Uh-huh. Um, but into and all of the information I got is from a write up in uh, the reader from a somebody who we've uh, drank and ate with uh, the the reader guy who we've Mike Sula Mike Sula yes it, I, he was the guy who uh, who shout wrote out this. to Mike Sula probably not listening shout out to Mike Sula and shout out to um, the Kedzie end the Kedzie end. Uh, but Arunj and Lily Sigal had uh, a little sense of mania uh, and they, when they were homesick for Australia. And the expats were visiting relatives in Sydney. They decided to open Chicago's first Australian pie shop. Nice. So that was kind of what I was like. Uh, do you know where the name Barangaroos comes from? Well, I assume kangaroo. That's part of it. And... Barracuda. So Barangaroo is actually a suburb, a Sydney suburb. Oh, it's uh, the name of a place. And it's right on the coast. And so Barangaroo, they were like, that's a place and it sounds like kangaroo. And people are going to associate. Oh, so people are going to associate with Australia. Well, yes. But can we just back up and say that a cross between a barracuda and a kangaroo would be terrifying? Uh, I think it would be very bad on land. And on sea. What if it was just a kangaroo with really sharp teeth? I think it would be one of these like abominations that wouldn't survive, but it would, but you would see it. You would see like a dead one on the beach. <laughs> just, what is this monstrosity from ten thousand years ago? This, yeah, exactly. This <laughs> beached kangaroo or kangaroo or ruta Kangaroo. Uh But I think so. Yes. Uh, Prehistoric creatures aside. Barangaroo uh, is a place in Australia, and they knew that people would instantly associate the name with Australia, especially when they have kangaroos in their logo. And from this article, I couldn't really find a lot recently, but I found when they first came out, there were so many articles from pretty much from from The Reader, from Time Out Chicago, uh, WGN. Everybody was, like, real jacked up on this. And for a while, they were selling out every 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 day like they would mm-hmm. sell out before so there was like oh, one, wow. it was like one of the it was like there was like a real like demand it was it. just like it was like this interesting thing and so we're going to get into like the history of uh these pies okay. and it very much is so we kind of ate it because we were both eating it 
you really are supposed to just eat it like at like a hot like you would a hot dog or a hamburger okay so you're supposed to just like kind of like put it it's supposed to be hand pies yes so, yes yes I'm, so. I'm curious because i feel like i would be afraid that i would get meat all over my face i think that's i think that's not i think that's not not encouraged <laughs> I think it could be a messy pie. I think <laughs> it's a handheld pie, but a messy one. Yeah. No, I think you could figure it out. Like I, I. I think that we, I didn't let it sit enough. I think sure, if it was if cooler, it cooled for if another. It, if it was cooler and we kind of let the stuff in it congeal a little bit more, or just cool down, because yeah. I'm like, I don't mind. I mean, I'm okay with getting food on my face, but if it's like really hot food. It hurts in addition to being weird looking. Yes, yes. And then I think that was the problem with like we were just sitting here trying to eat it as fast as we could. Yeah, it was like a pizza. Yes. Um, but we need to, then just like pizza, you should you wait like ten, 10 minutes to let the cheese congeal. Yeah, you should give it some time and trust that it will still be good. Um, yeah, I, I could see eating this with your hands. And I definitely think like where before we were sort of. Going back and forth on what was a pie. Like, this is very clearly a pie. It has, like, every hallmark of a pie. Yes. So, I have some information about meat pies in general and the Aussie meat pie. And this information is from gourmet.com. <laughs> yes. Nice. GidayGourmet.com. Uh, we should have named the podcast that. Gourmet. I mean, I think it's also, we don't like, have any claim to the word gidday. So, I'm pretty sure in a different part of the country, America... G'day Gourmet, there is a food truck that has Australian meat pies called G'day Gourmet. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, and so, uh, the, the Aussie, this has been described by everybody from presidents to Australian celebrity chefs as the national dish of Australia. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So, like, everybody eats this. And every t everywhere I found had, like statistics about how many people eat these like every website i looked at so australians eat an estimated 270 million meat pies annually wow which that's like, how many australians are there i have the answer that equivalents to every single australian citizen eating 12 meat pies a year that's not that i mean i eat more than 12 pizzas a year no but i think that that's for the population there is, uh, that's a lot of food. That's this is one a month. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. If, fine, you're calling. You're calling me. You're making me defend the Australian. I mean, no, I'm not gonna lie. It's more than meat pies than I eat in a year. But they. But I'm also thinking, yeah. like, what would we call the American national dish? I definitely don't eat twelve hot dogs in a year. I don't like hot dogs very much. I think. Well, it's hard because you can't really call pizza the American dish mm -hmm. because it's not really American. I would say like. Maybe burgers and fries, like like a McDonald's. I mean, I would say McDonald's. I eat like on average more than twelve fries a day. Right, but I'm just saying, like, if we had to say, I would say a McDonald's cheeseburger. Okay, be. well that I don't eat every. <laughs> but I think it's the funny thing. I don't thing, even know if I eat a cheeseburger every month in the, general. The funny thing about that was they were so adamant. Every site was just like. We eat so much of these. <laughs> I can think of, I mean, I don't know if any of them would count as national dish, but I can think of, like, pizza I definitely eat, like, more than once a month. I mean, literally everything I could think of would be, like, something that came from another country. Right, like tacos I eat more than tacos, once a month. Tacos, pizza, uh, 
Chinese food. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you can't just call Chinese food. Like, Chinese food is the American food. But it's also, like, a lot of foods. Like, I eat rice more than, like, yeah, once a month. Well, rice is, like... But rice isn't, like, a dish. It's, like, a part of a dish. I feel like rice That's is... That's like saying I eat bread. And really, can you think of a more world f- food than rice? Like, No, every, rice is, like, every culture, every culture. Except for America. Well, that's not... I mean, what about, like, rice aroni, the San Francisco treat? I mean, I've never... I don't think I've ever had just, like, rice aroni. But you've had, like, really bland rice with, yes. like, sauce and vegetables. I get the... I've, I've gotten the five-minute rice. We, yeah, you've had, like, rice American style, which is, like, not great. <laughs> like, yeah. rice pilaf. Yes, I've gotten the Uncle Ben's rice bowls, yes. yes. So, I, I, I guess that's... It's, it's just... Our culture is so lame. Yeah, there aren't a lot of American foods that you can really be like... This is what we bring to the table. Yeah. I mean, I think we have a lot of, like, good chefs, but you never see on, like, a Food Network show them being like, you know, my my expertise is in American dining. They're always, yeah. like, they always, like, focus on something international. Well, it's also, I think the other aspect of it is that, like, in America, Americans are very focused on America. And so what that means is that nobody makes American food, quote unquote, in the same way that people in America make Chinese food or Indian yeah. food because people make California food or Southern food or like Louisiana That's specific food That's or a good point. New England food. And so like nobody, like all of those are extremely different cuisines. And the fact is any country that's anywhere close to the size of America is the same yeah. where like they have many different subcultures with many different cuisines even more so in countries that have existed for thousands of years you're, right you're right you're right do you think okay do you think that the, the first thing when i th- thought of was like what is like a what is like a fancy like thing that americans do you think that we would own like gastronomy as like an american concept maybe i mean i don't know the full history i know that like wiley dufresne and um richard blaze <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Richard Blaze is, like, fine, but I wouldn't put him in the same sentence as, right, like, Grant Atkins so... and Miley Dufresne. But, like, both of them were American chefs. Um, I feel like a lot of the pioneers, and I'm not, I'm on the spot with naming my history of gastronomy, no. but a lot of the people that come to mind is, like, people who are really, like, doing science-y things with food a couple decades ago were a American. Of, a lot of the people that were on, like, the forefront of that, it seems, and the people that are still around doing it, it mm-hmm. seems like are American But you chefs. can also, like, have gastronomy in other countries now. Yeah, so. no, and I think that, that 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 is something. But I'm just saying that might be one thing that we gave to the, the <laughs> world culinary. Yeah. But back to... Uh, back to meat pies. I do want to know, pies. I want to know, so they're, like... His, they're, they're Australia's national so, dish. So, meat pies are said to have originated in the 2nd century AD in Europe, when butchers realized pastry dough served as a perfect means to cook and hold meats. Records of Middle Age tells of peddlers hawking meat pies on the streets for people of all classes. So, this was really, uh, everybody would eat meat pies from the peasants, to kings would have parties where they just served meat pies. Four and twenty blackbirds. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and they made they made rhymes about it and, and child songs. So about a pie full of live birds. And I, but I, and I don't. Again, we get back to the stuff that we talked about, and I realize we're treading over. I don't think we really have an American meat pie. No, I mean because like. 
I think that this is definitely... Chicken pot pie? Chicken pot pie, yeah. I would give that to us. Um, but I think the tradition of meat pies predates America. Oh, it, it so predates... So you could say that, like, people made American versions of it, but I don't think there's anybody where you can say, like, America really made this their own. And when I was in England, I definitely... They, 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 at one point, they were called traveler's pies. Oh, okay. Because you would get it, like, on your way to and from work. And sure. they do have meat pie stands still at train stations and stuff. Nice. So it is, it's a very accessible pie because you could do pretty much all of the work for it ahead of time and just pop it in an oven and then give it... A, and it's very... It's, it's like the Pizza Hut at the Target. <laughs> <laughs> where they cook the personal pan pizzas. It's a very easy, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a very easy thing to get out there. I'm just imagining, like, riding the subway eating a personal pan pizza, but I'm sure people have. Oh, I have, because there's, <laughs> there's a red line stop right there. Right. I've eaten. I've, you've, you've gotten a personal pan pizza and taken it on the red line. I've gotten a personal pan pizza and eaten it just walking back to my apartment. Oh, wow. Because that's... Uh, it's my meat pie. <laughs> I mean, I think, like, it's, this is, like, this is very self-contained, and I can see, like, definitely, like, eating it on the go. Um, I ate a pie on the go earlier this year. Um, I was wondering, like, what are some of the specific characteristics of Australian as opposed to... So, uh, this is my next bullet point. Uh, meat pies reached Australian shores in the 1788s. Uh, the 1788. The 1788, and by the early 1800s. Uh, so this is a very much a product of colonialism. Uh-huh. Uh, like a lot of things that we've had on this podcast. Um, the, so they in 1800s, they opened their first wheat mill in Sydney, and the pie emerged and achieves new levels of deliciousness thanks to the addition of world-class Aussie meats a protein that's considered to be in the same class of Japanese Wagyu beef. Now, I will say, maybe Gouday Gourmet is a little biased of a source. <laughs> Any meat from Australia is equivalent to, to Wagyu, Wagyu beef. beef. Sure, yes. sure. Uh, and I think that the thing that I found, like, going through, and this might be Americanized, but it might just be the way that meat pies in general work, that there's no... There's no rhyme or reason to what could be in a Nazi meat pie. Yeah. Like, they had the classic one, but the the, tick, the the reason I got the chicken tiki masala, other than the fact that I knew you would like it, is because, like, that really shows the versatility, I feel, of what, yeah. this, what this could be. Yeah, I mean, that's, like, that's actually, that's, like, a British dish. Yes, and it's, um, yes, it, it's all the colonialization. Yeah, it's, like, it's a dish that was, like, let's take Indian food and make it palatable to British people. Yes, and it does taste like some... It it tasted exactly like what I thought it would be. Yeah, it tastes exactly like you would expect from a British Indian place, and I think it's really good in the pie. And I... The, like, I think for me, the classic mince was the most surprising in terms of flavors. Like, I think the rest of them were very good, but they were pretty much what I was expecting. The mince had, like, a little spice to it. Yeah, it had, like, a... I, think I would be curious, made, like, their, the blend of herbs and spices. I think... So, I think it's, like... There's definitely, like, pepper, salt, coriander. Mm -hmm. Like, there's definitely... And I think minced meat kind of is, like, a spicier meat. Gotcha, gotcha. So, like, a minced lamb would have, like, uh, like some spice to it. Yeah, and so when we're talking about an Australian pie, meat pie, we're basically talking about something that's very meat-forward is what I'm yes. gathering. 
And all of these definitely were. Like, some and I of know them, how much you love meat, I, so that's why I picked it up. You were like, this is getting back at me for the vegan episode. No, I picked it out because we had, like we discussed, we have walked by this place hundreds yeah. of times. No, I've never had it. And I guess, like, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't, like, know, other than, like, kangaroo, which is kind of gimmicky, I can't really imagine something where I'd be like, that is, like, 100% Australian. Now, they did not have a Vegemite meat pie. Right, that would be. Which I think that's... The I wouldn't want... Have you had Vegemite? Never in my life, and it's I not, don't want to. It's not amazing, but I think my reaction to Vegemite when I tried it is, like, the way a lot of non-Americans react to peanut butter. Oh, really? Yeah, where I was just like, ugh, why? taste. And people who grew up eating it were like, it's great, but then you they try peanut butter, and they're just like... Why? <laughs> so you you either like understand it or you're just like this is unnecessary. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Would it would be interesting if they had a Vegemite one? I would have probably if I were picking them out, I would have bought well, it, but I would have been Vegemite like sorry. Just, Vegemite is just like a it's, sauce. It's, it's a, like spread. a spread. It would not work in a pie yeah. unless it was an ingredient in a larger set of ingredients. Yeah, and I would be interested. Uh, the people that were working there, I don't know if they were the owners, but they were very nice, and I feel like it definitely is the kind. Like I had questions about mm-hmm. like cooking it and stuff, and I feel like it is such like a different thing it's familiar but different that like they would be able to like kind of go through what is going on with this yeah uh did did, want to talk a little bit before we move on about what uh what do you think of the drinks i thought they were great i like i don't i don't drink as many like craft sodas so this i probably should and i enjoyed them so this is the biggest like drink brand in uh, Australia. I mean, they have Coke and Pepsi yeah. and like world drinks, but this is like, and it's been around since like 1962, I think. I like called it craft soda and it's like RC Cola. Well, level that's, of soda. it's, it, well, so, but, so they started in 62, but they started and they're in like 150 countries. Uh-huh. But in 2018 was when they started their partnership with Pepsi to get it oh. distributed to the, to the United States. Interesting. And you might know this because it's, the one that you might see a lot is ginger beer. They have a lot of... Oh, this is a brand okay. that you see in most liquor stores of ginger, ginger beer. beer. And I didn't want to get ginger beer. I got... Because you knew I wouldn't like it? Well, because <laughs> I feel like ginger beer is... The, been these, there, yeah. I feel, we've been there, done that. I feel like these two drinks... Like, I've never seen a guava, like, soda before. Mm-hmm. And they have, like, 15 different random... Like, they have everything from root beer to, like... To lime, lemon lime, I like the and lemon bitters. lime and bitters a lot. I don't usually like lemon lime sodas because I think they're very sweet. I think it's the bitters. And the bitters makes this like really, really good. It makes me want to put like bitters and sprite. Bitters and sprite, yeah. Yeah, one hundred percent. And I like the guava. Yeah. It's like again, it's like very flavorful. And I was like, oh, this is like super refreshing. And then yeah. you look at the back, and it's like five percent guava juice. <laughs> So I think uh, I would I would drink this I would drink this normally. Yeah. No, I like I liked both of these a lot, and I was excited, and I didn't realize that they were such a large brand of soda. Yeah, and apparently Pepsi is make putting them in a lot of different places. Smart. So, uh, so moving on, I. I got one of these pies for a very specific reason. You got the Thanksgiving pie because, because it's almost Thanksgiving. And I think that this will be, this this episode will go out and coincide with Thanksgiving, which is 
my favorite holiday. I think uh, I'm very pro-Thanksgiving, and I wanted to spend a little time and put my debate hat on and go over why Thanksgiving is the best holiday. Oh. I have some... Well, give me a moment to find my debate hat. Okay, put your debate hat on. Okay. Okay. Wow, that's a very big debate hat you're putting on. It's my favorite hat. So, okay. So, I want you to... I have some criteria that makes Thanksgiving the best uh, holiday. Okay. And this is food adjacent because it's Thanksgiving. Okay. Uh, Rule, rule, rule. Rule. Rule one. Oh, no. Criteria one. It is not a religious holiday. Everybody can participate in Thanksgiving. It's a very communal thing, and nobody feels weird about participating in Thanksgiving. Disagree? I think Thanksgiving has some religious overtones, but I they don't necessarily need to be there, and it's definitely not a holiday that was established within the confines of a specific religion. Yes, I think it has it has religious overtones only in the sense that everything in American society has re- has religious overtones. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I think that it came from very Puritan beginnings, but I'm going to try to separate what Thanksgiving was and what it is and what it can be. Sure. I mean, yeah, I think most people in our, like, general milieu, like, their celebrations of Thanksgiving are not especially religious. Yes, which brings me to my second point. It doesn't have to be family-oriented. Now, this is a thing where most people think of Thanksgiving they think of traveling to see their family. They think of doing this, that, or the other. Most of the Thanksgivings in my adult adult life have been just with friends. Yeah, I mean, I think you are moving the goalposts a little bit because I think, isn't the day before Thanksgiving like the most like travel day of the year? It is where people go, yes. But I think that there is not the, there's not, I think that Christmas is like a, you have to be home for Christmas. I've always felt that way. I think that Thanksgiving, because it's so close to Christmas, Mm -hmm. you can put off going home till Christmas. Yeah, I think, like, it's, I mean, I know that one of the reasons that the day before Thanksgiving is the biggest travel day is that people just travel more broadly throughout the holiday season as opposed to, like, Thanksgiving is just that one day. And that weekend of Thanksgiving is really a kickoff to... yeah. Uh, you got Thanksgiving, Christmas, and then New Year's, which is... Yeah. So Thanksgiving really kicks it off. And I agree that, like, I also grew up in a Christian household, and, like, Christmas was the expectation that you would go home. Thanksgiving, there's a little bit less of that expectation. Um, that being said, I think people do still generally associate it with family, but I agree with you that you can celebrate it with friends and often it is as much fun or more fun to celebrate with friends i think every holiday is more fun celebrating with friends except for my parents who i love and probably listen Um, (laughs) moving right along it is not a kid-centric holiday it is not a child-centric holiday like halloween that's true it is and children are invited and welcome not knocking you if you got them because there's plenty of things for kids to do. Because there's football to watch. There's a parade. The kids can help in the kitchen. There's plenty. It's kid accessible, but not centered around them. Sure. Okay. Now it's where we get to the controversial stuff. Okay. Best food holiday. I don't think that's especially controversial. I well, mean, some... unless we're throwing in Passover. 
Well, but which Passover's, is like by far my favorite food holiday. Passover's been Passover's been kicked out because we're, it's religious. Because it's, it's, we've already kicked out all the religious holidays. <laughs> I, I'm putting my foot down. I'm celebrating secular Passover. Uh, so, okay, I'm yes. You, I guess secular Passover is one. Uh, <laughs> next, it's not an amateur hour like New Year's or Halloween. It's you can get drunk, but you're in the you're in the confines of your own home, so you're not going to go out and act a fool. You're right, because every single one of the things you've said so far, I was like, also applies to New Year's more accurately. Yes. You don't, like, what are what were the ones you said so far? It's not religious, neither is New Year's. It's um, not, um, it's a friend's holiday. Yes. So is New Year's, more so. Yes. Um, what else? You said it's a... Uh, it's uh, not kid-centric. Not kid-centric. New Year's is especially not kid-centric. Yes. Um, but the big thing about New Year's has going for it is it's such a hassle. New Year's is just let's spend $300 to get drunk. Yes, where Thanksgiving is let's maybe spend $50 and stay in and we'll be drunk too. But How we much is a turkey? Uh, the Didn't one, we spend like $75 on a turkey last year? I mean, I spent, yes, yes, but that was a different, I spent 200, no, 150 so far for this Friendsgiving oh, that yeah. we're about to have. But, and the final one, because I know you're like, well, all of those things, there is one holiday that I'm thinking of that could be, fall into all of those things. No fireworks. Oh, you were thinking of 4th of July. There are no fireworks. I'm going to set off some fireworks in our apartment. If you set off fireworks on Thanksgiving, it'll ruin Thanksgiving. It will. Um, and those are my points to why Thanksgiving is the best holiday. It's interesting that you have no fireworks and just no rampant patriotism. Look, you can... You, you, I've got my Toby Keith playlist of Thanksgiving songs. <laughs> I'll put a boot in your turkey. Well, I will say uh, Arlo Guthrie's 18-minute version of Alice's Restaurant is way better than Courtesy of the Red, White, and Blue by Toby Keith. Is it about Thanksgiving? It happens on Thanksgiving. Oh. And and growing up, the radio station would always play the whole 18-minute version. Well, that's version. good, because like one of my downsides of Thanksgiving, which you might consider an upside, is that there's no Thanksgiving songs. Disagree. I've got multiple. Well, Alice's Restaurant, apparently. What else? There's, uh, uh, Adam Sandler has a song oh, right, called right, The right, Turkey right, Song. Right, 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 So there's two right there. And way better. And those two... I'll put out there, better than any Christmas song you can give me. I'm just now I'm singing the Adam Sandler Thanksgiving turkey song. song. <laughs> so. I love turkey on <laughs> Thanksgiving. See, you're already. I think I've. I think I've convinced you. Um. Yeah, I think so. I think um. Thanksgiving is more work than the average holiday. I mean, look, the more work you put in, the more rewards you get. <laughs> I mean, you're telling, I was... you're telling the person that, like, spends, like, three days cooking for Thanksgiving. I understand right. that. Right. I mean, although, like, the other thing you can do is just put in the work throughout the year to make a lot of friends, and then you'll never go thanksgiving list, even if you don't really cook. Well, you know, my thing is, I'll throw, I for, this will be, like, my 14th, 13th or 14th Friendsgiving wow. I've thrown in a, in a row. Uh, and 
I do it before because everybody's traveling and breaking rule number two. <laughs> everybody's no, going home. Everybody's going to see their family. Uh, but I have always been invited to other people's Thanksgivings or Friendsgivings on actual Thanksgiving. And all the pressure is off of me because all I got to do is show up with a bottle of wine to those because I've already cooked my Thanksgiving. Yeah, I've done and what I recommend everybody learn how to do is pick one side for Thanksgiving and learn how to make it. And then you can always bring something. And your side is guacamole. And you won't be... I mean, you've talked about people showing up at weird things... Yeah. With weird things for Friendsgiving. I did once bring, like, a grocery store rotisserie chicken to a party, and everybody thought it was weird. I don't think that's weird. I think the people that show up with weird stuff, people are like, oh, that's funny. And by the end of the night, whatever they thought was weird was is gone. Yeah, that's true. Everybody who laughed at my rotisserie chicken ate it. Anybody who shows up with a Taco Bell, like, taco pack, I'm hoping fan. someone brings a Crave case. You could. I'm making macaroni and cheese. That's fair. Make it, make it. With a crepe case? <laughs> <laughs> Macaroni and cheese with sliders on sliders top. Sliders on top. That's like an epic meal time. <laughs> that sounds terrible. <laughs> one of the, I mean, one of the benefits of Thanksgiving is like people always, when I was a vegetarian, people would always be like, oh, you must hate Thanksgiving. Wrong. 90% of Thanksgiving is vegetarian. More people, also like more and more people are getting emboldened to tell you they don't like turkey. Turkey's like, not that great. We tur- don't eat it that often. My thing is, turkey is great. <laughs> Just whoever cooks it. Turkey is a delicate bird to cook. And most yeah. people most people burn the shit out of their turkey. Oh. And you have to either know what you're doing or monitor it closely. Mm-hmm. And most people either just put it in the oven for four hours and let it go. Because it's not going to be like burnt to the point of inedible, but it will be dry and you, if you're going to do it that way, you got to, like, baste it and shit. Something that that made me think of is, like, turkey is a classic Thanksgiving dish. And it was also a dish that we ate a fair amount growing up. You have it in deli sandwiches. You never see turkey in a fancy restaurant. No. I also think it's a very uh, waspy food yeah. uh, to eat. <laughs> because most of the people I have these conversations uh, with that don't like turkey are not white. <laughs> so yeah. I think it's a very white person. It's an bird. extremely white person dish because it's like usually dry and flavorless and then you put like a wet and flavorless yeah. topping. With no, it. you're just you're just you're ruining you're ruining my Thanksgiving no, special but right can now. Be, turkey can be good. I think your problem is you're right that like a lot of people don't a make lot of, turkey other than on Thanksgiving, and so they don't really know how to, and they don't do a great job. A lot of people that fuck up turkeys are the same people that have to be the grill guy, yep. and they have to be the fire pit guy, yep. and they think that they could just force a turkey to be good. Yeah, but I think I, that's why I was saying it would be interesting, I think, to like see turkey on a tasting menu, because... I would be interested to see what it's like when it's treated really, really well. Yeah. But I guess it's like a turkey's so big. It's like imagine like sous viding a section of turkey. That's it's like the thing. so much easier to do like duck, which is reasonably contained. And if you've seen like a turkey breast in the supermarket, a turkey breast by itself is bigger than a chicken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, why would you just want the white meat? The dark meat's yeah. the best. I mean, my family only ever got the breast. Unless we had other people joining us, we might get more turkey. But typically, if it was just our immediate family, it was turkey breast only. Yeah. 
See, Brick's getting hungry about the turkey. Yeah, Brick's like, stop talking about. But you are. And not but you are right. Everybody does love Thanksgiving for the sides. Right. The turkey is a vehicle for the sides. Yeah. But the but it's also a great like, uh, it's you got to have that centerpiece. Yeah. So, any uh, any thoughts about the upcoming Friendsgiving we're gonna have? I am looking forward to seeing who brings this year's hot and ready or That's true. whatever last, weird la- thing. Last year, a friend, after knowing that I was spending four hours cooking turkey, brought turkey cold cuts. And they all got eaten. They did. Much to my dismay. The thing about cold cuts is you can snack on them. That's true. It's a lot easier to eat a cold cut. <laughs> yeah. And I think, what's your, what's your favorite Thanksgiving food? Uh, mashed potatoes. Yeah, mashed potatoes. Mashed are... potatoes. Uh, I like to just do something different this year or every year, but you can never. It, it mashed potatoes are the one thing. If I show up to a Thanksgiving and they're not there, I'm like something is missing. Yeah, that's true. I I, think I could it... show up without a turkey and I'd be fine as long as there was mashed potatoes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I completely agree with that. I um. Also, the reason I always make macaroni and cheese for Thanksgiving is it's one of my favorite sides, Mm -hmm. but it's not always a part of the Thanksgiving table. That's true. But it doesn't not fit. And so it's like, if I bring this, then I'll know I can eat it because somebody probably won't already be making it. If there, if you had to, if like, okay, traditional Thanksgiving table, one thing has to go. Ooh, um... This is this is the hot take. Uh, you can get your sweet potatoes out of here. Like, oh, interesting. People love them. I understand, and I understand that it that it's that it's the problem is me and not the sweet potatoes. But well, that's how like because you're from Oklahoma, we didn't really have sweet potatoes. It's it's also just kind of, again. It's another white thing. Yeah. Uh, there there's a lot of people that love sweet potatoes and are just like. Your the the way I feel about mashed potatoes. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. What would you get rid of? Cranberry sauce. Oh yeah, I mean that's just that's just a decoration anyway. People just love it. Love the can shape. Yeah. My problem is I like the cranberry sauce that's like very like shaped like the can. Yeah. People people love that. And, and every year my mom tries to get the one with like actual berries in it, which is like regular and probably better nobody, like than mystery shit. jelly but like i just don't want i want mystery jelly or nothing and if i had to i would say no um so uh, yeah or green beans yeah i've had some real shit green beans bad like, green beans are the worst at least with the cranberry and a if can, you're you know exactly gr- you're if having. your green beans are just a can of green beans and a can of cream mushroom soup <laughs> you're not trying hard enough yeah 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 but uh, I later later in my life I have gotten so much more into stuffing. At one point I would have said get no stuffing. Interesting. But, but I I realized like you can do a lot with stuff. Stuffing stuffing is very malleable. Yeah. Did I ever tell you? Because um, I grew up in Pennsylvania Dutch country. Yes. Um, not necessarily in my immediate family, but when we would have the Thanksgiving meal at school, mm-hmm. or um. Some people at their Thanksgiving or just at a restaurant, if you were getting a turkey meal, um, it would come with stuffing and filling. Really? What's the difference? So stuffing is stuffing. Filling is stuffing that's 
been in the turkey. No. no. Filling is a different food. No. Filling is something called potato filling. And it's like, it's like made of like potato and then also bread. So it's kind of like a hybrid of like stuffing and mashed potatoes. Weird. I looked this up because I, it was one of these things where like in, in school, like... we would get stuffing, fill, uh, the one day a year when we yeah. had Thanksgiving, we would get stuffing, filling, and mashed potatoes. And I remember like going to college and being like, Stuffing, filling, and mashed potatoes. And people are like, excuse me, filling? Yeah. <laughs> and I found out that it's like a Pennsylvania Dutch food I feel that like isn't filling, really I feel anywhere like outside of Pennsylvania. Just what everybody does the next day with leftovers is just throw everything on a plate and mix it up. Yeah, no, Dutch, it's like potato, Pennsylvania Dutch potato filling is like an actual food. Maybe I should make that for Friendsgiving. I, or I'm going to try to like do a, a traditional... Uh, Pennsylvania Dutch Thanksgiving sometime. And... Just with extra starch. I mean, it's just, it's what it is. It's, it's, the... it's really just and... like, a, it's like you don't need a thing that is a combination of stuffing and mashed potatoes, but that's what it is. And then you Love put it, it with all of them. I'm a fan. I'm yeah. a fan because it's Thanksgiving and that's the best holiday. Yeah, I don't hate it. Uh, now it's time for a segment we like to call What's cooking good, Liz? Hey! Oh, we're mixing it up. It's when I come up with a topic. Um, so, I this is something that I was thinking about last episode that we didn't get to. Yeah. And um, we've done a few... Oh. I was going to say, go back and listen to it. Like and sub- subscribe. Leave us a good comment. Yeah, leave us a nice review and listen to all of our old episodes. We've, we're trying to learn how to get better at podcasting. <laughs> um, so the the thing that I thought of was we've done a few different tasting menus. Yes. What are your thoughts on drink pairings versus drinks a la carte versus BYOB? So this is an interesting thing. Am I paying for it? Ha! <laughs> Um, or is money an is money an issue? Well, no, I think that is one of the components because yes. I think like that's the main component for me. Well, yeah, because like we went to we went to Wazwan and it was BYOB. Yes, and I I feel like you get more drunk when it's BYOB. You do. I think that, <laughs> I think that you get more drunk when it's BYOB, and it's obviously it's, cheapest. It's the cheapest option. Uh. I would say, okay, if we're ranking on one, two, three, mm-hmm. I would say a la carte is at the bottom. Because mm-hmm. the drinks are pro. if it's the tasting menu, the drinks are probably expensive and you have to be in charge of everything. Like, yeah. and, and it'll rack up the price a lot. Yeah. Well, a la carte, every time I've done it, is less than pairings. Right. It's less than pairings, but it can. Get. It still costs more than it would for that number of drinks. Yes. And, but I do, I usually choose a la carte if I am, uh... By yourself. By myself. Yes. Yeah. Uh, now, I think that given the mood, BYOB, if, like, I know I don't have to go anywhere the next day, <laughs> uh, that's probably... But I think the thing that a drink pairing will provide that the other two won't is that there will be somebody that explains the drink and tells you why they picked that drink for that particular meal. Yeah. Somebody somebody is going to be knowledgeable and there's going to be a purpose to what the drink yeah, is. Yeah, you're going to drink something maybe you've never had or you've never heard of, but you also I also think you learn a lot about yeah. 
like whatever type of beverage when you like try the beverage and then you try it paired with the food. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's the one thing that you miss out on with BYOB is it's just whatever bottle of wine you thought might go. Right. Cause, and, and if I'm, because I'm a creature of habit, if I go to a restaurant, I'm going to get like the old fashioned or mm-hmm. something. But the if I get the, the drink pairing, they're going to say like this is what goes with this, and I, I do like it. I yeah. like I like the drink pairings. Yeah, and I thought about that because we did the the sake pairings. Yeah. On we went to another we went to an omakase place on Friday called Q Sushi in Ravenswood, and the sushi was amazing and the atmosphere was amazing and oh, I kind of great. I felt like it was like the schwa of omakase oh, restaurants because the, they were the so she- chill. They were so chill. The the chef. Like, was chilled from the time we walked in. Like, was really happy to have us there. It was us. We sat next to another couple. Uh, they, uh, it was basically, they finished the meal and they wanted us to hang around. Yeah. Like, we just hung out and had another drink and, and then after that went other to another di- bar. <laughs> well, after, after that other drink, they pulled out a Miller Lite and gave us Miller Lite. Yeah. <laughs> and then they were like, where are you guys going? And we were like, we don't know. And they were like... Go to the karaoke bar next door. We'll meet you there. And they did, they which did. I was surprised because that could also just be a tactic to be like, please leave our restaurant. Or, but... or like they haven't worked out for the bar next door. They send people <laughs> there. But it was great. I mean, I it automatically shoots up to one of my top restaurant experiences when like they want to like be your friend, even if it's just for a night. Yeah. No. It was it was a lot of fun. I felt like. The, the chef was really passionate about, like, the restaurant and what he was doing, and the sushi was amazing, and it was also just, like, a really, really fun time, which I think yeah. I think matters. Even if, like, you're there mainly for the food, I think having a really fun time matters, which is why schwa is one of the only tasting menus in Chicago that I've been to multiple times. And schwa is a BYOB. Yeah, but that's what I thought about it, because I was like, well, schwa's BYO, but then you end up drinking with the kitchen right. if... But, but then, like, with I think I think what we've decided is the best the best option is drinking with the people that work there. Yeah, regardless of whether it's your booze or their booze. Um, but no, the sake pairings I really enjoyed because I don't know that much about sake, and it yeah. was really cool to do a side by side. We did one regular and one premium, and you like even when they were paired with the same courses the sakes themselves were a little bit different and you could really like taste the different flavor profiles oh, yeah. and i really like doing pairings and so it made me like more excited to try moody's tongue which i haven't been to yet but which does beer pairings cuz i think wine obviously is usually a good pairing for food but i am wanting to learn more about other sides of i worry pairings. about a beer pairing only because I have a very select type of beer that I like, which is anything but an IPA, and I would hate for an IPA course. <laughs> I mean, 
the food would still be food. Yeah, I'm down to try it. I'm down to try it, but I would just be like... You'd be getting it, and they're like, this is a... Because, like, five years ago, I could see there being, like, a beer pairing, and, like, every every pairing being a different IPA beer. I mean, that would be a disappointing food experience, because I feel like the beer would overshadow... If it's a super hoppy IPA, which is what you're saying, you don't really like... Well, just remember when they just tried to force IPAs on everybody for years? Yeah. Like, I would... That would be a bummer. Yeah, that would be a bummer. But it also, I would be surprised to see what food right. paired with it's all just m- barley. You're just chewing on <laughs> barley. Oh my gosh! Which is yeah, it's all extremely like grainy. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, I just wanted to like talk about that experience and just like the pros and cons of. Yeah, I think it's I think it's an interesting uh, thing because I also think. A little um, the inexperienced like foodie in me is just like oh um uh, pairing I guess yeah (laughs) and I think yeah I think it's like usually a fun time yeah but it's also just like I think I think sometimes you can say if you don't feel like drinking that much you can say what what's a wine that goes with like the whole time right and if not ask for a uh, Australian lemon lime soda. I want to do a bitters. Bundaberg soda pairing with the, a tasting we, menu. We could go back. We could probably go and get a different pairing with each one of these pies. <laughs> pie pairing. Of course, to have pies with soda pairings. Well, I mean, we basically did that for ourselves. We did. We'll have to go back. Yeah. All right, Liz. This was fun. We get next week, you get to go back to being the host. Sounds great. This was a lot of fun, and these were really good. Yay. On today's episode, we got food from Barangaroo's Aussie Pies, and they have three locations, one in Lakeview, one in The Loop, and one in the the West Loop, all in Chicago. We also talked about our dinner uh, at Q Sushi Bar and Omakase, and that is on Damon Avenue in Chicago, and I cannot re- recommend going and getting the sake pairing enough. Like and subscribe. We love you.